What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. Uh, I'm Ben, and I'm here, of course, as always, with our super producer, Noel Slick Talk Brown. And boy, Scott, do we have a deal for you. Yeah, you got to love that polyester suit he's wearing, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's got uh, some snakeskin boots on. Yeah, the uh, plaid suit. It's a uh, good look. Bolo tie. Yeah, 10-gallon hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the reason we're talking about all of uh, this stuff is is not just because Noel uh, Slick Talk over here is a stylish dresser. Uh, no, ladies and gentlemen, it's because we are going to have some fun with today's episode. It's about dealerships. Yeah, dealerships and uh, specifically myths that get kind of passed around from uh, from generation to generation from, uh, you know, Coworker to coworker, friend to friend, <laughs> right? About what really happens when you go to a car dealership? You know that uh, you know kind of the, uh, uh, the the bigger things. You know, like uh, oh, you don't want to you don't want to go in there, um, you know, and announce your trade right away. You want right. to hang on to that as like your uh, your your back pocket uh, bargaining tool. You know, right. things like that. So yeah, there's there's ten of these that we have in an article that is um, well, I'll be honest, Ben. As of today, unpublished on our site. Will be published soon. Uh, it's just kind of one of the things that's got to work through the uh, through the system. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to talk about it. We have the rough draft from our, our uh, from our author. Yeah, and it's fascinating enough. Like it's it's an interesting enough story that I think uh, I, I felt like I wanted to get it on air right away so we could talk about it. Yeah. Um, however, can I can I start out in an, in a very unusual way? Yeah, please. Do. All right, I would like to start off by recommending another podcast. A, a different, uh, maybe a radio program, I guess. Right. I guess it's a radio program, yeah, fair yeah. to say. But you can find it online. Uh, now, don't do this now. Just write it down and go back to it. <laughs> listen to this episode first, then go and listen to this, because it is a fascinating story. It's from um, NPR's This American Life, and it is a tale called 129 Cars. And that's the title of the episode. Okay, 129 Cars. 129 Cars, yeah. It's from around December of 2013. It's easy to search and find online. Uh, the host is Ira Glass, and um, the internet version, I'll give you the heads up on this. The internet version has a lot of cursing in it. Um, you can find a, a bleeped version of this if you want. Uh-huh. You know, It depends on who's in the car with you, I guess, when you're listening. Uh, but it is a fascinating story about a dealership on Long Island, a, um, a Jeep dealership, Chrysler, you know, I think it's a yeah, Chrysler Dodge Ram 
Jeep le- uh, dealership mm-hmm. in uh, rather on Long Island, and their efforts to reach the monthly sales goal of 129 cars, you know, combined from all all the salespeople. Ah, I see. And you would not believe what goes on behind the scenes when the customers aren't there it won't, and when the customers are there. There's a, there's, you know, a full month of recording that's happening here. It's about uh-huh. an hour and I think it's about an hour and 15 minutes long. And it is, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. I've listened to it uh, two times fully through uh-huh. since this has, you know, been, you know, December of 2013. And I'm in the process of listening to it a third time right now because I wanted to listen to it prior to this, but I only got about midway before we had to come in to actually record this. So uh, let's, Let's not uh, leave the people hanging here, Scott. Uh, what's what's one thing you remember about it that that blew your mind? Well, okay, here's here's maybe the the biggest thing is that um, they point out that it's not you know these num these numbers that they have to reach. It's not like a contest. It's not a game to the dealership. These are numbers that are set by the manufacturer. And mm-hmm. for let's say the, you know the month that they're doing this, let's say it's Oct- I think it's October of 2013, they had to sell 129 cars, and if they sell 128 cars. They get no bonus from the dealership or from the manufacturer, which is Chrysler Fiat. If they sold 129, they get the full bonus. And the full bonus, just to give you an idea of what this amounts to, mm-hmm. is ballpark 65 to $85,000 is what the bonus is. Wow. Now, you sell one car less, you get nothing. You sell 129 or more, you potentially get that full bonus. And this is going to go into one of the myths that we will address in our show, which is the... Uh, the idea about timing of buying a car. Uh, we know what it's like, guys. Uh, Scott, you've bought a car. Noel, you've bought a car. I've bought a car. Uh, what, what we all encounter, no matter who you are, is that your friends and family come out of the woodwork saying, well, well, you know, Scott, if you want to get a good deal, you got to go on a, and when the weather's bad, you got to go on a rainy day yeah, yeah, or something like that. Loads of tips that are uh, that are handed mm-hmm. out or dispensed at that time. I know a guy who knows a guy who met a dude at Arby's who can get you a deal. <laughs> That's right? right. Yeah, your best off, your best uh, best bet is to walk in with a suitcase full of cash. Right. Yeah, a suitcase full of cash and uh, maybe just an implied threat. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe a ski mask. Well, but, you know, there's often some bad uh, bad advice dispensed at that time when, when you're about to buy a car. Right. Uh, you got to kind of uh, pick and choose what you pay attention to and what you don't because some people really do know what they're talking about. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they've been involved in the uh, in the business or something. And, so of course, you- everybody's intentions are good, but bad advice or acting on some bad advice can actually harm your chances of getting the best possible deal. Yes, exactly right. And uh, just, you know, to, again – just not necessarily a quote, but a, a comment from this podcast, you know, this, uh, yeah. this 129 cars uh, podcast is that you got to remember that the managers and the salespeople are all playing each other within the dealership. Mm-hmm. Um, the customer is playing them both. Each dealership is playing the other dealerships in town. So, you know, there's not just one Chrysler Dodge Jeep dealership. There's four in this town. Uh, the manufacturer is playing all of the dealerships. So there's, there's this huge roundabout game that's going on where everybody's trying to get the best deal. And, and trying to outsmart the other person in just small little ways. And it's, and it's really fascinating to see what happens in this podcast. And, and, you know, as we talk about our 10 myths, which we're getting to right now, um, I think that you'll find that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this 10 myths podcast come up in that episode that I'm pointing you to right oh, now. Oh yeah, well. absolutely. Uh, we, we looked around for a while on some of this stuff just to gather various sources and, a lot of the myths that you will find in various magazines or 
online sites or podcasts, uh, a lot of them are the same myths that keep cropping up, which should be a good indicator that they are indeed myths. There is something to them in that case, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to, uh, I don't know, let's just start with number 10 and we'll count them down, down, down to number one. And they're not necessarily, you know, the most important is number one or anything like that. Right, but, yeah. but um, you know, it's just, uh, I guess, the, the common knowledge stuff that, that we should get out of the way. How about For that? Sure, so, yeah. All right, so number 10, and this is a big one, <laughs> the I have to talk to my boss, uh, which is just a kind of a ploy to buy time. Now, right. sometimes, oftentimes, they really do have to talk to their boss in order to uh, to make sure that the deal is on the level. Right. Yeah. And when people imagine this scenario, uh, you know, if you if you close your eyes right now and you think about it, don't do it if you're driving, of course. But if you close your eyes and you think about it, then probably what you're what you're seeing in your head is a table or a desk with the salesperson on one side and you or someone on the other. And it's finally come to the brass tacks, mm-hmm. the paperwork, yeah, the you negotiations. Your, you get your arms crossed, and the uh, the dealer is uh, scribbling numbers on the paper there, and uh, mm-hmm. and you're trying to work out this deal. And he says, after finally you make your final offer, you say, "That's what I'm paying. That's I'm not going to pay a dollar more than right. that." And he says, "There's a pause," and he says, "Let me talk to my manager." And he walks out of the room. And then your thought is, he's just buying time. He's not even talking to anybody. Right. And one thing that well, okay, some pop culture that backs this up. Um, is that, uh, and what we find really isn't necessarily true, but, um, think of that scene in Fargo where he is, uh, where Jerry Lundergaard is trying to sell True Coat to that customer who is irate about it. You know, the guy's oh, coming yeah. in to, to yeah. write the check for the car. He says, Oh, the factory installed True Coat on this car. It's a $500 option. Um, you know, it just adds $500 to the price. Don't worry about that. And the guy's it, livid. Flies off the hook. Yeah. And, uh, and, then there's this back and forth about how he's not going to get taken here. And, you know, it's he's like, oh, these guys, it's always war. You know, when you come in here, it's always war. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, he says, well, let me talk to my manager. And he walks in and he says something about, you know, like the the uh, the local team, like uh, you have tickets to the Gophers game or something like that. Uh-huh. And uh, doesn't talk about the deal at all. Walks back and says, well, he's never done this before. But he said he'd knock $100 off that $500 option. So, um, you know, do we still have a deal at nineteen nine instead of, you know, the 20000 I told right. you it was going to be? And, you know, it's just a, it's fascinating to see that, you know, they actually played it out like it really, it, it was playing into the people's idea that right. this, this myth really happens. But when you listen to, again, the example of the 129 cars episode, you'll find that they really do have to go back and and work this deal with their, their sales manager, with the um, with the general manager. Right. Make sure that it's okay. Because that's a collective, as far as the manufacturers are concerned, that's a collective quota. That's a, that 129 cars, for instance, that number is something that the entire dealership is responsible for. Now, they may have internal quotas, but what they are probably doing, at least at an up and up honest place, is going to talk to the person in charge and saying, uh, how close are we mm-hmm. this month? How much room do I have to move on this? How much latitude do I have financially? True, and there's a lot of numbers that we could talk about, and I don't know if we want to get buried in it. Maybe they'll come up along the way as oh, we uh, talk. But yeah. but I do want to say that you know one fascinating part of this, and I said you know how everybody's kind of playing each other. Right. It, it's possible that the that the salesperson is playing the general manager as well, or oh, the, yeah. the sales manager, I guess maybe. Um, so the salesperson comes in and says, you know, after the the people agree to a price, you know, what do you want to pay per month? And they say. Look, I'm not going to pay more than uh, 250 each month. That's it. Yeah. So, so he goes to his his manager and he says, "Look, they're not going to pay more than uh, more than 299 a month." Exactly. And he says, 
Oh, two ninety nine. Okay, well, we can come down to two. Uh, you know, and they they bargain back and forth, and they go back to he goes back to them, and he looks like a hero to not only his sales manager for right. coming in with a, a better number. They also think that like he's he, he's working both ends of the uh, of the deal there in that case. And maybe I said that backwards. I'm not sure. I think I got it right though. Well, yeah, I he brings in a higher it. number, and then when it comes down a little bit, the sales manager thinks it's great. Yeah, the the sales or the person that's buying the car thinks it's a great deal as well. Well, uh, also, if we're being fair, Scott, the uh, manager probably knows that trick and uh, probably yes. welcomes it. That's how they got there. We've got um, there is one number that we should talk about though. There's this great uh, this great thing I, I found about a um, from a former car dealer from a former car salesman. Okay, and he's talking about the. Um, the idea of a secret holdback amount. Oh, really? Yeah, which is, I think, related enough. We can stick this under the same under the same myth. Of course. Uh, so, you know, again, that myth is that uh, when they go to talk to the manager, they are going above the. They're not really doing anything. They're just making you think that you have uh, progressed or succeeded in negotiations. Because, of course, a lot of people prize themselves on that. And we were talking about. Well, the the numbers are really the king here. They're paramount. Uh, so this guy says that it's not so much a secret trick, but in the case of our dealership, he says, we didn't buy our cars. We floor planned them through GMAC. And uh, so just to show the argument for this, he said we would pay 1% of a car's uh, suggested retail price to GMAC every month. So we didn't have to pay the full amount of the invoice to buy the car from GM. And when we sold it, we received 3% of this MSRP as what they call a floor plan allowance. Hmm, so they're just keeping their lot full. Right, exactly. Uh, but here's the rub, you know. Uh, he says, you probably already figured out the goal here. If we sold cars in less than 30 days from when we got them, we got a check for 3% of MSRP and only paid 1%. So that's just free money. Sure. But if we sell it from 30 to 60 days after we got it, we get 3% and pay 2%. 60 to 90 days, we break even. So in theory, a fresh car off the truck could sell under invoice, but the way dealers think, he says, it's a fresh car, so we're less likely to take a loss selling it because someone else is more likely to come around and buy it. Oh, so this means that a, a vehicle that stays on the lot longer than three months in somebody who is floor planning a, a, a showroom floor yeah. is likely to get a pretty good deal on that because they're anxious to get that vehicle off the lot because it's a loser for them. Right. That's uh, that's the idea. Um, and, again, that applies at that dealership maybe. But And how do you know which is which? And how do you know which well, is which? I can tell you that's the one they're going to steer you to first if you come in looking for that type of truck or car. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm hearing you say F-150, but you – are secretly a Yugo man, I can tell. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's move on to number nine here. Number nine, all right. Dress to depress. So, um, you know, the idea is that you go in, you don't wear your Rolex watch, you don't right. wear a suit. Right. Uh, you might wear uh, some jeans that are a little bit worn. You might wear an untucked shirt. Or like one shoe in a garbage bag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a good tactic. Uh, you no. might actually appear, you know, if, I mean, just general appearances i know this is wrong to look at somebody like this but when you see that right. you might think that they're not necessarily a great credit risk for the, for you so you might get less um respect i guess when you're at the dealership than you would if you were just um i don't know not overdoing it not like you know wearing the pinstripe suit and 
you know, like uh, the article says, you're, you know, you don't have your butler in tow with you or anything. Right, right. And you don't show up in, you know, your limo. Uh, right. However, you know, you do want to appear like uh, you, you may have enough money to put together for a down payment. Right. You, you might have a job and you might have good credit and you might be uh, somebody who is, you know, on time with bills. I don't know how you make that appearance, but you, you somehow do. You convey that with your the way you dress, the way you look, the way you handle yourself while you're at the dealership. Right. A lot of it is grooming. I mean, you, of course, you don't have to wear a suit, but, you know, uh, clean clothes, uh, don't have wear shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't go overboard on this. That's right. the thing. It's, it's all, uh, moderation. I mean, j- just, uh, just don't dress down intentionally in order to think that you're going to get a better deal on something. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. The key here is moderation. You don't want to look like a headache and underdressing in some ridiculous way in something that's essentially a costume makes you look like a headache. It's a red flag. Uh, and it is, and, and way overdressing could be just as bad. All right. Well, let's say that you're in a uh, Rolls Royce showroom. Okay. All right. And, uh, you show up and you legitimately have the money to purchase a Rolls Royce, but you show up in blue jeans and a, and an untucked shirt. Um, as would, you know, some of these CEOs of, uh, of dot com companies or something, you know, they wear a hoodie sweatshirt in there and, and yet still be able to afford the product, but right. they might not get the attention that somebody, you know, that, that arrives, um, you know, that is, uh, maybe in a suit, as we said, or maybe someone sure. that has a, a you know, $10,000 watch on. They might, uh, cause they, they spot things like that. Dealerships and, and I should say sales people in particular mm-hmm. know to look for things like that, you know, for signs like that. So, right. There are signals. Yeah, they really are. And, you know, it's very, very tricky. I mean, I, I would feel um, awkward if I went into a, a Rolls Royce dealership because I know that I don't really have the cash, the, the backing to be able to, to purchase that vehicle. And they would likely be able to spot that immediately because I don't know if it'd be the way that I'm dressed or the way that, you know, I'm uh, apprehensive about getting in the vehicle or asking questions about it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a little more sheepish, I guess, around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be interested to look, but I, I just don't know how, you know, I guess I'm not sure how they would profile every single person that comes in. And I know that's an extreme example, the Rolls Royce or the, uh, you know, let's say the McLaren sure, dealership yeah. or something like that. It might change depending on the dealership, uh, the price point of the car you're buying, like a luxury dealership may have different expectations, but every kind of dealership i promise you ladies and gentlemen has had a customer who looked like they were you know one paycheck away from living on the streets but paid in cash or something mm-hmm. for for a really nice brand new car sure exactly right so like it or not you're being profiled when you go there just uh, just keep that in mind but don't they don't dress down yeah Okay. Myth but, number 8. Number 8. All right. Uh, <laughs> dealerships are making it rain every day, all day, every day, money, money, money. Yeah, yeah, but actually they're barely making a profit. Now, when I say that, I know people are going to be outraged. There are some people are going to be outraged <laughs> anyways, right? When you say they're barely making a profit, you're they're, they're thinking there's no way because the markup on these cars is just no way that it's working out that way. It turns out the profit margins are very slim on new cars. Yeah. On brand new cars. Yeah. They cost a lot to build, you know, at the, at the manufacturing facility, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to develop all the research and development costs and everything go into that, into that price as well. Um, whether the, the, uh, you know, the people that build them are in a union matters as well, as far as how much the thing costs when it comes off the line. It's, right. there's, there's so many factors that go into this and shipping costs, you know, whether sure. it's overseas or not. Uh, state fees, regulatory fees. Exactly right. But this is, this is pretty amazing. According to that report that I was mentioning before that, that 129, 129 cars. cars, 
dealers make something like three cents for every dollar on a, on a brand new vehicle that they sell. Now yeah. that's an extremely low profit. And all of this, I know this kind of gets jumbled around because they, they lose money on some cars. They make more money on other vehicles. It kind of right. depends on, on, um, and, Again, they're trying to reach that, in this case, 129 cars. Every dealership's got a target. Right. And they will intentionally lose money on some cars just to sell product, mm-hmm. just to get rid of that vehicle so that they can get their number count up, knowing that the bonus, the sixty-five dollars to $85,000, will cover it eventually. But they can't do that for every vehicle they sell. They can only pick and choose when they do that. So it's got to be the right, the right car, the right buyer, the, the right situation, the right day, yeah. uh, all this comes into play. So there's there's a lot of factors here, and and it's really this this back and forth chess game between you, the buyer, and you know the the uh, the, per, the salesperson who has the dealership as their best interest, of course. I'm glad you called it the. Uh, I'm, well, maybe the salesperson is the salesperson's best interest, but I guess that changes on a case by case basis. I will say that I'm glad you called it a chess game, Scott, because. Uh, the internet has changed the way people buy cars. Uh, it's allowed people to become much more informed about it, about what car they want. And also, I would argue, much more likely to easily go to a different dealership or much more likely to wait until they get the exact car they want. So those days of saying, well, we have a car that's in your price range. It's a little more then um, we had talked about because it has, you know, I don't know. Leather seats. Because it has heated leather seats, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, it's it's a little bit more like this. Uh, yeah, this one has tinted glass and it has yeah. that aero package and also uh, the 19-inch rims. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that adds it's, a significant it's, amount. It's a little it's like, bit. It's like $2,500 more. And they, However, yeah. it's not going to last long. I've got somebody else looking at it right, right. now. Right. He's calling right now. Yeah. Uh, ring, ring. That's him. And it's the manager going like, Pretend to come out and talk to me. <laughs> he's like, uh, excuse me, sir. I'm in a meeting with someone. Yep. The car's still here for now. He's on the way. Yeah. <laughs> now, but, right? the, but the likelihood is that the customer will say, you know what? If I just drive four miles down the road, mm-hmm. there's another, um, uh, there's another Subaru dealer that has the same model and make that I want without the arrow, with, without the rims. Yeah. $2,500 less. It's not those packages, but it's the one that I initially look for. I'm going to go down there. And, and the thing is, you know, Customers are very, very informed now. So adding these extras, adding these, you know, these add-ons, like you said, you know, the, uh, you know, well, we've got this one, but it's got leather seats or, you know, whatever. Um, that's much more difficult for them to kind of, uh, kind of throw in there to, uh, well, as they say, sweeten the deal. But as the customer would say, it's, uh, it just drives the price up. Yeah. And speaking of money, let's, let's get down into the next few. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. 
It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Number seven, Scott. And this, some people might argue about this one. I think we've talked about this one we on, have. Our, on our podcast, maybe more than once even. On deal, on dealerships and financing and the bank. No, tight, uh, number seven is bringing money from the bank. Yes. And we've had listeners write in with their own strategies for this. And right. Some, some actually really good strategies. Very clever stuff. Yeah. We have reported. Yeah. Very clever. You're right. That's a good way to say it. Extremely clever. And I've actually thought about those, those emails. As I was going to purchase my last vehicle, I was, I was thinking about, you know, I, I kind of went through some old emails and was reading this stuff and was trying to really play all this out in my head. Like, is that really going to work? Is that the best option? And then, you know, you know, because we have the Internet, because we're able to uh, find out what the de- what kind of financing you can get um, at, you know, maybe even more than one credit union, uh, either that or through your bank, maybe, you know, that's sometimes right. a, sometimes that's a possibility. Uh-huh. It's usually the credit union. Um, or going through the dealership for financing. And, and believe it or not, you know, a lot of people say bring money from the bank, which means from the credit union or the bank. Um, sometimes, quite frankly, the dealership is your best option. Right. Because they have an existing network of their own banks and credit unions. And once they, once they run your credit, they can check against their, uh, their group and they can get preferential treatment because they're such regular, um, I don't know. Intermediaries is a good word. Uh, they can also, of course, get you a deal from the manufacturer's credit arm, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And so instead of going to the credit union and, you know, on your own, you know, as an individual, uh, and, you know, you may get some kind of benefit here or there if you're a teacher or if you're a veteran, policeman. yeah, veteran or, you know, something like that. You may get a little bit of a, a break there, but you're going to have, um, I'll say at a, a percentage rate of some kind to pay on that loan, of course. But if sometimes if you go to that dealership, there are times if you're buying a new vehicle, brand new, there are times when they offer 0% interest, which um, you're not going to find that at a bank or credit union. No. You're just not going to. Or you can opt for the uh, the cash back option, you know, the uh, the cash, cash incentives that they give you. And, you know, you can play one or two, one of those either way that you want. I mean, you can't have both typically. 
Um, so sometimes the dealership is the best option for financing. It's not all the time. Uh, you know, the, I just mentioned I bought that, uh, that, that VW recently, that, right. that, that car. Mm-hmm. And I went in with, I had financing already from a credit union and it was a pretty low rate. I mean, I'd shopped around. I found what I wanted. Yeah. I, I got a very reasonable rate and I went into them and I, I, you know, told them that I already had it. And of course they said, well, let's go check and see what we can do for you. And, you know, I was, I was already sitting there with my check in hand, you know, ready to write it, you know, yeah. sign it over to them. Yeah. But they had to check and I just, I let them do it. You know, why not? If they can offer me a better rate, I'd, I would switch right then to do it. Why sure. not? Not look back. No, sure. It makes sense. And uh, I think it was like one tenth of one percent lower uh, that they could offer me. And he said, you know what? I, he was very fair about it. He said, I'm not going to beat you up over one tenth of one percent on this sale. Just stick with what you've got and let's keep it easy. And it was it was a pleasant experience. I mean, this car that I bought recently overall, we should talk about this someday, like the whole yeah. process, because. I had a great experience. I really did. I had a bad experience at one place that I almost bought the car at, uh-huh. and I backed out. I walked away from the deal, which was very difficult to do. It was really hard. You I, were I, really close. At that I was time super too. close, and you know, cash in hand, ready yeah. to go. And I had to walk away, and it was it was tough. I mean, I'll tell you, it's it's hard to do that when you're presented with the car that you want and everything you want, and then you realize it's not the vehicle for you. And you have to walk away, and it's hard because you don't have any other thing in the in the back, you know, um, in your back pocket maybe to go to. At that time, I didn't. I was I was firmly set that that was the one. Yeah, but you you did the right thing. Clearly. I did. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it someday, as we said. Yeah. But uh, but I did the right thing, and I did walk away, and and I did end up with a, a as I said, a very pleasant experience at a dealership, and a lot of the stuff you know that, that we talked about here, it, it just didn't happen. I mean, I didn't see. I didn't see any kind of uh, backroom deals going on. I didn't. I wasn't. You know. I didn't experience any uh, secret handshakes. No code words. No, nothing like that. It was all very straightforward and, and uh, as I said, pleasant. So, so here's one thing you didn't do, which uh, which is interesting too. You didn't walk in uh, with a suitcase full of cash, and that is number six here. Bring cold hard cash. The idea being that it will get you a better deal, and I think a lot of people. Maybe, maybe think that it'll get you a better deal. Once upon a time, way back when, that was probably true. But now, uh, now the problem is that a lot of those incentives that you would get for, uh, finance, you're getting a certain car or something like that, they don't kick in if you pay cash. No, and we're talking about new vehicles at a dealership again. If you go right. to an individual to buy a used vehicle. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, here's the old deal. Like, uh, you know, the car is a, um, $2,500. And you say, I have $1,800 in cash in my pocket right now, but I don't have more than that. And I'm willing to give it to you. And they, there's the back and forth, like, will it, will they, won't they? Right. And uh, oftentimes they will bite when they see that stack of, you know, $100 bills. Right. Um, you know, ready to sell. But a dealership is not like that. They're not going to come down on the price because you simply have a wad of cash in your hand. <laughs> it doesn't work that way for them. So, you know, you're better off to go to them and uh, maybe even take, you know, a short-term financing deal. Like, uh, you know, I think in the article here it says 36 months you might get a better deal with that 36 month financing if you keep it, you know, on the low end than you would by paying cash. And, and I know it's kind of silly, but all those advantages, you know, like maybe even the, uh, you know, the 0% um, interest deal, uh, that might work out better for you in the long run. So, so take a look at that as well. Yeah. Don't say no just because, you know, financing has such a bad name based on the incentives. It is possible to be a better deal and, that's not exactly a secret, which, speaking of secrets, takes us to number five. Scott, 
this is a fun one. Uh, trade secrets. Right. And I like what this one is called. There's a, there's a term for this within the industry, within the business, and they call it parachuting the trade. And this is the idea that you, you wait until the very end of the whole deal and you say, Oh, by the way, I have a, I have a trade in that I'd like to bring in for you. Can you give me a, give me a price on that? And then you think that you're sitting on top of several thousand dollars that were at the, you know, it, just moments ago, unknown to the dealership or the salesperson. Right. They were going to be, uh, they were going to have to buy your vehicle as well. And yeah. this does not work. Well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work because again, there, there's not a magic thing that dealers have never seen that will ever like bowl them over. You're not going to amaze them with your powers of negotiation or manipulation. Uh, in fact, their job in some ways, if they're dealing with someone who's kind of, I don't know, combative or hostile about it, uh, then their job is to make that person feel like they're doing really well because that's why that's going to result in selling a car. They know all the tricks. They have seen everything. every single one. And this, uh, this trade thing, it's not, it's not some M. Night Shyamalan twist. It's not like finding out who Kaiser Soze is and usual suspects. It's something where they would just say, oh, we, we got another one. Uh, the, the best thing to do is be upfront, right? Yeah. Be upfront and transparent. This is what I'm looking for. Uh, I did my research, you know, and yeah. I'm looking for this and I also have this trade in. Yeah. And, and you basically know what your trade in is worth and you can work that as part of the deal. I mean, and right. so be upfront with them, tell them that you have the, the trade in, you know, that you are trading or you're thinking about trading in and let them, you know, let them give you an offer. And mm-hmm. see if that's acceptable to you. You can always drive away with your trade-in vehicle right. and sell it yourself if you want to do it that way. Um, there, there's options for you as well. You know, when you do it that way, you don't have to give it to them once you say, "I have a trade-in." It's not like you're. It's a done deal, and whatever they give you, you have to accept. It's not like that. But this parachuting the trade idea, and it's, that's a funny way to say it, is that you know it parachutes in at the last minute to, to save the day for the uh, for the the person who's the buyer. It's not that way. I mean, they. Uh, it, what, what really happens is. It just will cause more negotiation because it, it, it kind of, uh, it scraps everything that you've worked on to that point. So it right. leads you to having to sit in their office another hour or two. Yeah. While they work out what that's worth, uh, what, how they're going to renegotiate this deal because, you know, up until this point, they didn't know that you had something that's worth, uh, let's say, I don't know, $4,500. Sure. They're not going to just knock $4,500 off the price of your brand new car. It's, it doesn't work that way. No, they're not, and they're also not just going to take your word that it's a the year it is and the condition it is no. with the miles it has. No, they're going to inspect it, which is you know they're right, and of course, sure. of course, they're going to. I mean, it, it it's all on very on the level, um, or it should be on the level. I mean, you know, not every case, I guess, right? But, but it is going to lead to a renegotiation every single time. So don't think that you're going to get away with this one by uh, by you know making the uh, the trade kind of a last minute zing. Right. Uh, here's. Here's another thing that gets me, uh, which which I had not been very familiar with because I've never pursued this kind of thing online. Mm-hmm. That's myth number four, magical internet manager. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people might not even know that they have an internet manager pretty much at every dealership at this yeah. point. Um, the idea is that you know there's somebody that uh, is is completely disassociated with the uh, with the dealership, but they're just the internet manager. They're just uh, they're out for your best interest, of course. You know they're uh, they're going to set up the deal. They're going to make everything work, and that internet price is the price that you're going to pay. And you know, no problems. Just come on in and take a look at the car. And that's the that's the rub, Ben. Right. You've always got to go 
to the dealership. You have to set foot on the dealership lot to look at the vehicle in person and to make the deal. And the thing is, when you go there and you say, I'd like to speak to uh, to John, the Internet manager, yeah. they say, well, okay, well, I'll come over here and, and introduce you to John. And you do meet John, but then John walks you over to Phil, who is the salesperson that's going to complete the deal for you. Right, yeah. And that's there are very rarely exceptions to that kind of process, right? Yeah. Uh, there, now, now, there's a, there's a one good angle to this whole thing, though. And I, I've heard this recently, and I can't remember where I read this or where I heard it, but it was somebody who kind of was doing a, a, a informal study, I guess. You know, they, they did one thing. They went out, they walked onto a lot during regular business hours, and they're trying to get a, a price for a vehicle from a salesperson. And the salesperson would just hem and haw about you know, giving the price. They wouldn't really, uh, you know, agree or, or say that, you know, this vehicle is this price. Right. Uh, while the person was on the lot, they would say, well, Let's go inside and let's uh, let's talk about the options. What's on the lot here? And maybe yeah. we'll take you over and show you this uh, this other model here. But it's, uh, sure. it's maybe a little more because it has leather seats. But um, you know, I think you'll be interested because it looks like you know it's it's it meets most of the needs of what you're asking for. And and you still never get the price of that vehicle. And it takes a lot of time, maybe even up to an hour, to get a price out of that salesperson when you're on the lot. Right. If you're at home and you look at the exact same vehicle, and this is what this person did they, the, the very next day. Mm-hmm. They they called and asked about the exact same stock number, the same vehicle, and within five minutes they had the price of that vehicle. The, the internet manager gave them the price, and it was different. It wasn't the same price. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, now that is confusing. I, I personally think you should engage on both fronts, mm-hmm. uh, if possible, in the in the modern age here, uh, because there's a reason the Internet Manager exists, and that's that's to do this sort of thing, to have these conversations. True, and it's, well, the main purpose, again, to bring people onto the lot. Now, yeah, that's true. There's, there's very, very few cases where you can complete the wholesale online, over the phone, you know, whatever you want to do right. I mean, without going to the dealership. There's very few times when that actually works out. That they way. want the bodies in the door. But we have also uh, we have also talked about some innovative types of dealerships that are reworking these processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those would be the exceptions uh, there. There's a, a couple of luxury outfits where they'll deliver your car to you and pick it up to fix it. But that is rarefied air, my friends. Now, many, many years ago, and I don't know how many years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe uh, maybe more even, um, I, my dad was buying a new vehicle, and it wasn't anything like a luxury car or anything like that. It was just, I don't know, it was like a Pontiac sedan of some kind. Um, he bought the vehicle online, and it was you know across the state, the other, other side of the state. Mm-hmm. They arranged the whole thing online. You know, I saw photographs. Uh, there, there's, you know, like the, uh, the inspection reports came back, all the Carfax and all that stuff, and the whole deal was done, I think it... I think it was online. Some of it was over the phone, of course. Uh, but they met somewhere midway, you know, at a, at a coffee shop or something like that. Um, he was trading his vehicle to them. So they just exchanged vehicles at this place, signed all the paperwork while they were there, all the, uh, you know, everything that had to happen, signing checks and all that over. Yeah. That happened right there. And then he drove home the new car and the, and the dealership employee drove back to the lot in his old car. Um, it was it was a uh, very clean, easy process. And that was a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I know there are, there are sites online now that, av- or rather on television, that advertise that you can lay on your couch and order a car, and it can be delivered right to your house. Uh, you sign the paperwork right in your your driveway. Yeah, I think Amazon Prime does that. <laughs> they really. <laughs> well, they, you have to drive the delivery guy back to the Amazon place when they bring the <laughs> well, car. Well, you know, it kind of makes sense that you have to do that, I guess. <laughs> but you know, uh, do they deliver it in a drone? I hope so. I hope so. It, only, only very small cars. A giant, giant drone. That'd, that'd be uh, so, fun. Uh, let's let's talk about weather, which we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, this is our third myth of the day: rainy days, Mondays. When's the best time to get a car? Those always bring me down, Ben. They always bring you. I yeah, notice. They always bring me down. I well, here, the, the the truth is that. A rainy day, a sunny day, a snowy day sure. doesn't make a difference. Yeah, you, if the dealership's open, they're there to sell cars. You would think that it would make a difference, but it doesn't make a difference. They'll sell you a vehicle any day of the week, of course, any day of the month, any day of the year, really. I mean, right. unless they're closed for holiday. But they uh, they were they are in the business to sell cars. doesn't matter if they have to go out on the lot with an, an umbrella. It's not going to be easier for you to buy a car that day. Uh, simply because, you know, they have to sell, again, 129 cars or whatever. Right. Um, it, it's still going to be the same deal no matter what. They can't, they don't have as much, uh, flex room as you think they do. No, no, because again, the numbers are binding. So the, the numbers don't take a day off because of weather. Uh, and that's a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right. And, uh, so, and, and they're not going to, um, I, 
I don't think, and maybe this is different in the past, but I don't, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of in real life somebody who truly got a better deal because of the weather. No, and you know, the author here, um, our author from How Stuff Works points out that what if you live in the Pacific Northwest? Every day it's raining out there. Or in Florida where it rains, you know, for like an hour or two every day in the afternoon. Yeah. Do you get a better deal in that one hour, one to two hours when they think that no one's really on the lot? Uh-huh. I mean, there's still deals happening. I know that, you know, let's say it's a rainy day on a Tuesday. Everything that was going on from the weekend and Monday is still being processed on that Tuesday. It, it just kind of skips over that. So maybe they don't get as much traffic on the lot. I mean, that does hurt them a little bit. However... Sure. They know that they're going to make that up because the people that don't go out on Tuesday because it's raining will likely wait until the next sunny day and then show up. And then they're going to end up with more traffic on, say, you know, Thursday when it's a, it's a pleasant day. Um, it, it just it, it doesn't work out the way that people think it does with bad weather. Right. Yeah. It It's strange because this these kind of rules uh, apply to some other things, you know, like there are general rules of thumb for. Um, maybe restaurants would be another industry you can compare when there are better days of the week to uh, buy a certain kind of food or to avoid a certain kind of food. Uh, but that's more of a supply chain thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is true that weather can affect a lot of businesses, for sure. Some businesses are definitely seasonal. Car buying is not near as weather dependent as you might think. Not quite. I mean, I, I can see where maybe a Saturday is a, is a bit more busy than would be, say, a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I just think that it works out that way, that people have the time to go do something like that. However, as you said, it doesn't necessarily matter quite as much um, in, in the situation of a brand-new vehicle. So we've talked about we've talked about some, some weather. We've talked about some financing. We've talked about some uh, ill-fated uh, attempts to trick dealers into bending to your will. Uh, but now let's talk about the kind of deal you're negotiating. Yeah, we're talking about purchase versus lease in this case. So the idea here, the myth is that you don't lead with the idea that you're going to lease the vehicle. You lead them into the sale thinking that they are going to sell the vehicle to you, that it's going to be a purchase, an outright purchase. Right. And then later, I guess in this case, um, not quite parachuting the trade, but you uh, parachute the lease in, in once you're in that back room. Uh the the idea here is that if the dealer if if you know Noel Slick Talk Brown walks into a dealership and says okay I know exactly what I want I want this um, I want to lease this you know 2014 Nissan or whatever and I want to lease it for three years what can you do for me um, the the idea is that the salesperson will be like a shark smelling blood in the water and drive the price up over and over, but just to make sure that they get the maximum amount of money out of this lease deal. But that's not really how it happens, right, Scott? No, that's true. In fact, a lot of people think that, you know, once you mention lease, that your negotiating power is gone. Right. You have no negotiating power like you do when you're purchasing the vehicle. That's not true. You can negotiate the price of a lease as well, which a lot of people have, uh, they have no clue that that's the case. They see that advertised price. You know, the, uh, the down, the required down payment, you know, the first month, last month, whatever sure. it happens to be, title, tax, all that stuff, and here's your payment. Um, it's something that you are, you are able to negotiate with once you go there. A lot of people just have no idea that that's the case. And 
they really don't care how you pay for the car or how long you're paying for the car or whatever. And they know that they're getting it back in three years. They understand that. But there's programs in place from the manufacturer for that as well. Like when you return right. a lease vehicle, they can uh, then maybe in some cases certify it as a pre-owned vehicle uh, from the from the dealer, extend the warranty two years and sell it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can, uh, you know, they can do many different things with it. They can send it to auction. Uh, you know, they can, there's a lot of options to them. So, um, they don't really care that you're, you're, you know, gonna take the car for three years or, or whatever. I mean, they're, they're happy right. just to get it off the lot for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's still moving money and moving product mm-hmm. through the, uh, through the dealership. Yep. So now if we could have a drum roll from, uh, Slick Talk over here. Perfect. Scott, what is number one? Number, number one, one is the deal is the myth that dealers make money on every single car that leaves the lot. And that is not the case. They what? sometimes and I know we've we've hinted at this, we've touched <laughs> on this, we've we've said it, but there are times when they lose money on certain vehicles, like on demo vehicles or cars that have been sitting on the lot for several months, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You know, with the you're playing this numbers game with, you know, the percentage that you pay. There are times when that happens. And there's again other times when they will sell a car at a, at a loss in order to know that they're going to hit their target in order to get the bonus payment. And, you know, there's all these these uh, these numbers that are just swirling around the dealership all day long every day for that full month. And right. it gets it can get very confusing, but they they really know what they're doing. They're watching those numbers all the time. So these monthly quotas that they have to meet, um, you know, it's better to sell a vehicle than it is to not sell a vehicle that day or that that, that hour or whatever, you know, however busy this, this dealership is. Um, even if it's at a slight loss, then to have the car still sitting on the lot, you know, at the end of the month when that could have been gone. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, these, these loss leaders are part of the calculation of the larger thing too, right? Yeah. Loss leaders. You just said it. Now that's a, that's a term in the industry that, that they use and it's cars that are intended to be sold at a loss. They, they know that they're going to lose money on these cars if they sell them at the price they're advertised at and they're sitting on the lot in. But but the, the idea is, and this kind of goes back to uh, almost like a halo car situation. Exactly. I'm it, glad you said it's, that. It's similar to that in that you know the, they hope that the uh, that the buyer is going to come in and they're either going to add extras onto the vehicle. You know they're going to say like, yeah, I'd like that true coat that you mentioned for five hundred dollars, <laughs> or they're going to say, um, you know, they came in for a lesser vehicle, like say an economy car, and they end up leaving in a, kind of a mid range vehicle. You know, they they upsell the customer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the idea with the loss leaders is that they know they're going to lose money on that vehicle. They're going to gain it somewhere else. And this is kind of like uh, this is something that happens in video games. Just for a comparison, uh, sometimes a video game console manufacturer or something will make a uh, a console like uh, imagine you know an Xbox or PlayStation. I don't remember specifically which one it was. I think it was the PlayStation, and they'll sell it for less than it costs to make the thing because they're making their money off you in another way, mm. you know? Interesting. Now, because the, uh, the games themselves are $80 each or whatever right, they happen to right. be. Right, right. And that's a, that's a similar process. I think what, one thing that, uh, again, this uh, former car dealer had said in the article that I read by him was that people are not entirely – just as a rule, we are not entirely aware of what motivates us or guides our decisions. 
So one of the reasons, again, that the Internet Manager uh, is such a crucial per- piece in getting people to the actual lot is that dealerships spend millions of dollars to put you in an environment where you are more likely to respond to the things that you um, – more likely to respond in a profitable way for the dealership and hopefully for you, uh, hopefully you find the car you want. But once once they get you in there uh, – these loss leaders, right, are part of a bigger picture. And, and one of the reasons I'm glad you said halo cars is because halo cars were, in my opinion, and are, in my opinion, just the perfect way. You want to get me in a dealership, then get that Hellcat out there. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And you'll come in to take a look at I'll it. I'll come in to take a look at and it. And you can't afford it. Oh, I can't afford it. But you might be able to afford that uh, that Charger SRT that's right. next to it. Yeah, you know, sales guy might drop by. We might have a conversation about what the what the Charger and the Hellcat have in common. Yeah, what know? they don't have in common, and yeah, then also the the enormous price difference between the two. Right, right. And what a deal that is if you get that Charger yeah. SRT. Right. I mean, it could be a fantastic deal for you. And when you had just come in to, you know, maybe even look at something uh, much much lower down the product line, uh-huh. you're going to look at a Dart, right? And uh, right. and and you end up walking out with a, a Charger SRT, and that and. Honestly, it happens because when you're on that dealer lot or in, in the showroom, it goes from being a very um, a very pragmatic decision that you made at home, talking right. to the internet manager with a piece of paper next to you and a calculator, maybe sure yeah. figuring out exactly what you can afford and what's uh, you know what's in the budget and you know what's 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 reasonable, and then you go to the dealership and it becomes a very emotional purchase. It's, it's it goes from pragmatic to emotional at that point, and and you're right, and you and I have both talked about this. I know that. There's there's a lot of little tricks that they play as well when you're at the dealership. And oh, one yeah. that you mentioned, and I saw this firsthand many times What's in that? the last few months. Um, when they when you walk in and they offer you something. Oh yeah. And, and it could be as simple as, you know, you know those little I don't know, it looks like almost like quarter bottle of, of water. Yeah. Very, very tiny. I yeah. mean and I say quarter bottle, I mean it's like eight ounces of water. Sure. Yeah. And they offer you a free water as you walk around, and of course it's got a little label on it that says, you know, whatever dealership it sure. is to. Uh, and, like, uh, Scott Benjamin, crazy Scott's. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a welcome thing to have, you know, like when you're on the lot and it's hot or whatever, you know, yeah, they say, yeah, yeah, for your bottle of water and you say, sure, fine. But when they hand you that bottle of water, there, there's this weird psychological thing that happens to you and that you feel some sort of obligation to them. You feel an obligation that, well, I gotta, you know, they've, they've given me something. They're friendly to me. I'm here on their lot looking around. I can at least talk to them for five minutes. I can I can make right. that concession that instead of just saying no, thank you, I'm just here to look. You then feel like, well, I do kind of owe them yeah. five minutes of my time this because reciprocity because they gave me this eight right. ounces of water, right. whatever it is. And it's silly, I get it, but it it really truly does work. It works on uh, quite a few people. One one thing that this podcast is has fascinated me with is that it, it makes me think of a guy that I've watched for a while, a British mentalist named Darren Brown. Did I talk to you about this guy? No, you have not. Oh, man. He is uh, – we're lucky that he's not selling cars because this guy has mastered body language and these little cues. He, You know, you remember um, – was it Kevin Nealon who did the subliminal message guy on Saturday Night Live? I think that was him, yeah. This is like a real-life version of that guy. You can go on YouTube right now. I know it's sort of a tangent, but you can go on YouTube right now and watch this guy. Again, his name is Darren Brown. You can watch him do things like go into jewelry shops and delis and pay for things with fake money, with with blank pieces of 
money uh, sized paper. And he just like through whatever uh, whatever yep. way of suggesting through that, yeah, that suggesting. He's, he's giving them an honest payment and they're they're going to take it and they don't even look at it. They, they they see it but they don't see that it is clearly monopoly money. Yeah, they just they just process it. Now he's one of those guys I think who could maybe do a secret trick on a dealer or something. Now I have seen these guys in action before and I don't know if this is the one in particular but they are extremely clever with the way they do this and very slick and and it's easy to sit, you know, behind your computer screen and say well, what's, you know, that's, that's yeah. oh, that, I see that. I would, I would never have fallen for that. However, if you're in this situation, if you're, if you're there and that's really happening and you're, you're, um, distracted with whatever else is going on, sleight of hand type stuff. And, and right. su- again, power of suggestion. All that is so powerful. And, you know, <laughs> you know, dealers use this to a certain degree. It's sure. not quite as extreme as what you're talking about right. with, the, with this mentalist, but, um, it, it really is, it's, it's a, Again, a cat and mouse game. It's a back and forth. It's a chess game. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a game of, um, uh, not necessarily that, uh, someone is going to come out, you know, as a huge winner, but no one wants to be taken. They, they want right. to uh, feel like they've got a little bit of an edge and, and there's little things that they do to allow the customer to think they're getting the, that little bit of edge. They're getting a deal. Mm-hmm. And there's also things that, you know, the, the, uh, the customer does that makes them think, Ah, uh, you know, I, I, we can make a concession on that point. But um, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. If you're in a situation where you were talking to a professional salesman, a professional saleswoman, a professional salesperson, then just be, be very skeptical of the times when you feel like you are getting a concession from them. Mm-hmm. It might be all part of the game and it's not, it's not a bad game. This is how it's done. Uh, I, I do want to say one thing that wasn't on our list. But the old bargaining trick of being prepared to walk out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is, I think that's valid if you're on a lot. Don't ever let, if you're in person, which is again where, you know, where the dealership certainly wants you to be. If you're in person and you feel like this is going south, this is not where you want it to go. To me, that's okay. Uh, be prepared to walk out, but only if you're really prepared to walk out. Don't be that person who's like, you know, I can get up and leave now if you don't intend to do so. Yeah, you really have to be ready to do it. And, right. and also, you don't want to be the guy that walks out and then the next day has to come, you know, come back sheepishly and I say, walk of shame. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you guys really did have the best deal. And I'm, I'm sorry that we uh, we didn't work out yesterday, but uh, let's talk it over again. Because that's never going to go well for you. You're going to have, you're going to lose some power in that negotiation at that right. point. Right. And you were already antagonistic in these. And, you know, uh, people who work at car dealerships are trying to make a living like everybody else. And you don't make a living, um, or at least you can't for a long time make a living by, well, I'll say it to be candid. You can't make a good living by screwing over people. No, you can't be a charlatan and, right. and stay in business. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, we've we've talked about that so many times with other things mm-hmm. too, like you know, with uh, with whether it's oil change places or used car dealer lots that show up on street corners. Sometimes you can't remain in business, you know, at a, at a one location with the same group of people if you're going to cheat them all the time. It's not going. <laughs> it's not going to work. You have right. to be upfront. You have to be. A, a reasonable, responsible, uh, you know, upfront person, mm-hmm. and and honestly, I mean, this is a this is a very tough gig. I mean, when you listen to, and I hope that you do. I hope you go and listen to that yeah. 129 cars mm-hmm. available again, online. Again, this American Life. Yeah, exactly. Go search that, and you'll find it. I, I I promise you, if you like this podcast, 
I promise you, you're going to love that episode of, of This American Life. It is, it's fascinating. I'm going to go finish the one that I'm listening to right now, and this will make time number three for me to listen through yeah. this. It is, uh, it's amazing what you see or what you hear when the, when the curtain is pulled back. Um, yes. And, and can I say one thing before we end? Uh, for everybody out there listening, uh, who has worked, uh, with or in a dealership or is currently a salesperson, uh, I, I want to, I want to see what you guys think about this. This is something, um, one of my relatives told me a long time ago, which was that, uh, for a car dealership, but really for any business, the best advertisement is a satisfied customer. So let me know what you guys think about that. I would love to hear, and I hope I'm not opening a crazy door here, Scott, but I would love to hear some dealership horror stories, either from salespeople, uh, managers or people, you know, mechanics, uh, or from customers themselves. Just horror stories, or do you want to hear good stories as well? I'd like to hear good stories too, but come on, man, I want the juicy well, you train know, that, wrecks. That, you that's know? what uh, that's what sells the papers, right? That's I mean, what that's, sells uh, the papers. Yeah, the headline, the uh, <laughs> the catchy headline, the uh, you know the tragedy sells the, the papers. So, all right, so that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, if you could please just send in, like you know, keep it somewhat concise, so that you know we can we can actually maybe read them on air someday if we get to another nuts and bolts episode. Sure, change um, the names if you need to. Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's protect the innocent here in, in yeah. some cases. All right, but uh, but. Honestly, I bet there's some pretty interesting stories and some some unusual tactics. Uh, the person that I sit next to here at How Stuff Works at my desk, the person I sit next to had a pretty bad experience recently just before I went in and had my really good experience. Oh, no way. And I was uh, I was a bit apprehensive based on what I heard that person go through mm-hmm. uh, versus mine. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised, as I said. So, uh, you know, there's there's good and there's bad out there. Hopefully you've had much more good than bad yeah. but if you have had a bad one let us know about it yeah and hopefully you've had uh you've had as much fun listening to this episode as we have had making it let us know if we missed any car dealership myths that you picked up on uh you can tell us on facebook you can tell us on twitter we are car stuff hsw at both you can visit our website that's right scott Noel and i are moving up in the world got our very own website carstuffshow.com where you can hear every podcast we have ever done and there are quite a few uh but if you look through our podcast list and our blogs and our videos we do videos as well uh and you think hey guys why haven't you covered this we want to hear about it uh write to us directly and let us know our address is car stuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. 
As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.